We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good evening, everyone. So I have to confess, um, I'm running out of stories. So I'm going to use a recycled one tonight that you may have heard before, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, But I want to start tonight in common readings, right? Our gospel tonight is a reading that you and I are familiar with. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. I asked my friend, Father Matt Book, he's the pastor of Light of the World. And I'm always like, is this like a feast day for you guys? You know, at Light of the World Catholic Church, you're like, we are the light of the world. <laughs> and they do, I don't know. And then I always tell them that I'm going to build a church across the street called Salt of the Earth, and we will crush Light of the World. <laughs> anyway, that's not really going to happen. But tonight I want you to think about things that are um, kind of misnomers. You can think of something in your life, uh, things that are claim, make big claims, but they just don't add up. They're misnomers. And I always think back to my, in my college years, when my, my good friend, Eric Schmidt, God bless him, you've heard me tell this story, but I just love it. One day he had this epiphany. We were at the University of Colorado, the best Catholic school in the country, And Eric was just thinking about life for some reason. And he turned to us, his roommates, and he said, Guys, I've been thinking about this, and I want you to start calling me sweetness. And I was like, (laughs) I love you. There's no way I'm going to call you sweetness. My brother, of course, did. My brother would yell across CU's campus, Sweetness! Sweetness! And he'd chase him down. You can't give yourself your own nickname. You can't do it, right? If you, if you have given yourself your own nickname, talk to me after Mass and we'll have a little, you know, get beat up by a priest. You can't give yourself your own nickname. Tonight what I want to talk about this, and I want to go kind of deep tonight, and I want you to think about something that we could easily gloss over. In 1964, the church wrote a document that's one of the most important church documents in the last couple hundred years. It's called Lumen Gentium. And in Latin, that means light to the nations. And when the church wrote that document at the Second Vatican Council, that document is meant to be the answer to the question of what is the church? And the answer that the, the church gave was the church is Lumen Gentium. It is the light to the nations. And here's where I want to go with this tonight. Right now, in our country, in our diocese, with your friends that you'll see at work tomorrow, with your co-workers, with your neighbors, with your fallen away Catholic family, for the church to say that we are the light of the world... Nothing could be more patently false. And I want to wrestle with that with you tonight. We are coming off of the greatest church scandal uh, 
in about a thousand years probably. Well, 500 Reformation was also huge. That was kind of a big deal. We're coming off a big time of scandal, right? And your friends, when they, I hear this all the time from you guys. You tell me this. You don't go to your workplaces and people think, oh, you know what, she's Catholic, so, man, she could probably help the rest of us understand this. They think, how could you possibly be Catholic? The church and society is mocked. And brothers and sisters, I know that you are mocked. And I know it's hard for you in today's world to those who don't go here, I know it's hard for you to tell them that you're even a Catholic. Let alone if you were to say, I believe that the Catholic Church is the light of the world. But it is. It is the light of the world. And I want to talk about that tonight. And how can that be? How can we possibly say that? This isn't the first time that we've had these great scandals. And I just want to make some very brief points. Tonight. I want to talk about how can we become again the light of the world? We already are because the church in its inner essence is not the sinful actions of its members. The church in its deepest essence is Christ himself. Right, and so in the, many of you know this, but in the, in the ancient church, it goes all the way back to origin in the second century, that the, uh, the image was always that the church is like the moon, that the moon doesn't have its own light. Origen talks about this himself, and the church does not have her own light. It is only when she reflects the light of the sun, which is Christ. That's when the church is the light of the world. So how do we get back there? I want to talk about how do we get there as a church communally, first and foremost. But then I want to talk about your life. And I want to challenge you in your life of what that means. So St. Peter Chrysologus says this, your favorite saint and mine. But lots of church fathers and saints talk about this image. Did you ever notice in the Gospels, all over the Gospels, there are images of sinful women who come close to Christ. It doesn't happen once. It doesn't happen twice. It happens all over the place. That there are women who have been prostitutes, and they come close to Jesus, and they're heroes in the Gospels. The early church, the early Christians wrote about that. And almost universally, they tell us that that woman and those women in, those, in the scripture stories, that those women are the Catholic church. So here's what St. Peter Chrysologus says. He says, this woman, that is the church, was bearing up under the depressing guilt that sprang from the heavy silt of so many past sins. Do you ever feel that way right now? I was at breakfast this morning with a friend, and I didn't have my collar on. We were at this communal table, and I kind of like just like 
starting to talk and like talk about church things and seeing if people's ears perk up. And we were at this communal table and there are all these people sitting around and I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, church sometimes it's just so hard. There's so many sinners. I didn't really say that. But it's just I'm always curious what people think and nothing really happened today. But do you ever feel this? We, when you make the sign of the cross, our meal came and there's a temptation right now to not make the sign of the cross. This woman, that is the church, was bearing up under the depressing guilt that sprang from the heavy silt of so many past sins. Do you feel depressed? If you haven't, I want to challenge you on that. You should. When the scandals broke, my heart just, my heart broke for so many different reasons. And one of the things that was so depressing was just how could the light of Christ, the light of the world, the church of God, how is it possible that this happened? We should feel that. All of us should feel that. The church feels this depressing guilt. Therefore, and then the scene that he's talking about is in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, a sinful woman comes. And she comes to dinner with Christ who is dining with a Pharisee. And she comes in and she cries and she washes Christ's feet with her tears. And she dries his feet with her hair. Therefore, with welling love, she sheds her tears upon the feet of the Lord. She kisses them with praising lips and pours out the whole ointment of mercy until he will come back to her and say, Your sins, many as they are, are forgiven you. Because you have loved much. I want our church to hear those words from Christ. Your sins, many as they are, are forgiven you. Because you have loved much. We can be the light of the world, brothers and sisters, but the first step is that. And I know that wasn't you who committed any of those sins. I know it. But you're a member of the church. And our job is to love him so much that it's as if the church herself comes weeping to the feet of Christ. And her sins are forgiven. Augustine says this. He says, The saints themselves are not free of daily sins. Even the saints. The church as a whole says, Forgive us our trespasses. Right? 
Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. She thus possesses spots and wrinkles. But through confession, the wrinkles are smoothed out, the spots are washed away. The church stands in prayer in order through confession to be purified. As long as men live on earth, that is how she stands. The gospel tonight, when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, comes in a context. It doesn't just happen, right? You are not just, you're all very attractive, awesome people. I love you all very much. But you are not the light of the world just by being a normal person. You can't be. The church is the light of the world when she lives the Sermon on the Mount, which is where our gospel tonight comes from. That's when the church is the light of the world. And so immediately before tonight's gospel, it's a short gospel tonight, right before that, there's a very famous passage that runs right into our gospel tonight. And it says this, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. You know this, the Beatitudes. What Jesus is saying to us tonight is that the church is the light of the world if we live the Beatitudes. I want to leave you with two practical things about this tonight. Really, the first one we've already said, the most important thing that you and I can do, if you want to be the light of the world is we have to love Jesus so much that we are like that sinful woman. We're not self-righteous. We know we have our sins and we know that our church has sins. And what the fathers say is that, that through her repentance, her sins are forgiven and she becomes pure and holy. But I want to recommend two practical things in our life. How do we really become the light of the world? The first point is this. We have lost credibility. Right? The church's teaching is true and beautiful and good. It absolutely is. But most people don't want to hear it because we've lost our credibility. And Isaiah in our first reading gives us our first practical thing. You want to bring people to the light of God? One thing the world still listens to is when you love the poor. If we as a church, if we got out there and we went and loved the poor in a very concrete way, that speaks volumes. In the, in the 11th century, there was this huge scandal. I thought about opening with that in my intro tonight, but obviously didn't go there. But in the 11th century, there was this terrible scandal. It's a lot like today. There, there was a huge amount of sexual immorality among priests. There was greed, and there was just massive, massive problems. And it looked like the church had lost everything. It had lost all credibility in society. And you know how it gained that back? 
is by two men named St. Francis of Assisi and St. Dominic. And they didn't go around just telling people that they weren't living the right lives. What they did is they gave up their lives and they surrendered their life to serve others. That's why Mother Teresa was so incredibly powerful for so many people. We have a calling to be like that. And then lastly tonight, I want to leave you with this. I harp on this a, a fair amount, but it's really important. This really matters. Today in the church, I think we, I don't like the way we use the word vocation. I don't like it. I think it's created massive confusion, and I think it, it contributes to a lot of people thinking their lives aren't valuable, and it's not true. We usually say the word vocation meaning are you married or are you going to be a priest or a deacon or a consecrated single or a nun? And in my mind, and I, that's another sermon, but I want to just really hit this. That's an improper use of the term vocation. Those are called states of life. If you're single, if you're married, if you're a priest, if you're a priest and, you don't, and I don't know that and you're here tonight, well, that's weird, but whatever, Whatever you are, that's a state of life. A vocation means calling. And here's my challenge to you. Your calling is to be salt and light. That's your calling. Your calling is not to be married. Being married is a wonderful thing. And yes, you need to be a good mother, a good father, a good husband or wife. That's awesome. Some of you are called to be priests. That's awesome. Your vocation is to be salt and light. Salt preserves things. And the saints tell us that Christians preserve the world. The world is so opposed to God, there is such rebellion against Him that the holiness of Christians is like salt that keeps the world from being destroyed. Tonight's gospel reminds us, yes, God loves us. He loves us so much. But tonight's gospel is not about how much he loves us. Tonight's gospel is about how much he loves all those who are not Christians. God loves the world out there so much that he gives you to the world. You do not exist for yourself. You are not salt for yourself. You are not light for yourself. God loves the world so much that he gives us to guide and to preserve the world. And so Jesus tonight... Lord, your church has been extraordinarily sinful. Lord, through your mercy, Lord, may we cry at your feet that you may forgive our sins, that what is evil may be cast out. But Jesus, I pray for everyone here, Lord, 
that they would know their vocation is to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. That in their families, in their businesses, in their neighborhoods, in all of their relationships, Jesus, when people encounter Christians in our community, Lord, may they have salt and light.